Chapter 14. Anybody need a break? Are you with me? Okay. There are quite a few sculptures of Herod Antipas. This is one of them. Probably the best looking of all of them. Sometimes he has the world's second worst beard. Um, Count mine as being at the top of that list and then Herod Antipas after me. Um, Sometimes he he looks ferocious or weird or just goofy. Um, You know how sometimes you get your picture taken and you're sad? That, that that's how, or why did I wear that? What was the lighting like? What was I thinking? How come he told me to look cross-eyed at him or whatever? Well, the sculpture turned out pretty well this day. This is an actual representation of Herod Antipas by a classical sculptor at the, probably at the time. So pretty good, I, except he, used to, he looks pretty young there, doesn't he? That about a 17-year-old kid. This is not the older, I'll say goofy-looking Herod. This is when he was younger. I have a special file in my laptop of the few people in scripture where we actually have a portrait or sculpture done at the time. There aren't very very many. Uh, Who would be the other one that you would guess besides Herod and his dad? Pontius Pilate is the one who's actually in scripture. Um, Julius Caesar isn't in scripture. Augustus is but not really Julius, but um, Nero is also in scripture. So a couple, just a handful of guys um, who are there. But this is Herod the Tetrarch. Herod was not a king, but they called him king. His real title was Tetrarch, a quarter king. So he got a little, little, little part of a kingdom, and it wasn't really his. Uh, he governed it for the Romans. It really was Roman territory. Herod's land was Galilee and um, uh, Perea, which is that side piece over on the on the other end of the Dead Sea, and extending up into the into the Jordan area a little bit, that's Herod's weird divided land. So he has a he has an eighth of his of a kingdom up north and an eighth of his kingdom out out east. Um, take it. That's probably important. Go ahead. Well, that's all right. It's okay. If you get a call from Anna, though, you just take it and don't, don't apologize. So uh, this is Herod the Tetrarch. And uh, Professor Deutschlander says something fascinating about him. Um, Herod and human reason were not acquainted with one another. Um, Herod is just a a, a crazy man when it comes to John the Baptist. Um, So at that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the news about Jesus. That is, when Jesus performs his most popular miracle, or miracles, I should say, um, which is what's going to follow here in chapter uh, uh, 14, as well as what we had just in chapter 13. A lot of parables, a bunch of healing miracles, driving out demons and so forth. And Herod now says, this is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead. That's why these powers are working in him. So we're going to go back in time now and learn the story 
of how John died. Okay, so we're, we're, we're this is a meanwhile back at the ranch kind of a moment um, in the gospel. So how did John die? Well, uh, you could probably tell me, but I'm going to let the text talk about it if you don't mind. So, and this is Machiris. This is a photograph of the actual hill to the, uh, to the right or to the east of the Dead Sea with a drawing of the fortress as it probably looked. Uh, it's just superimposed on the actual photograph. Does that make sense? So I kind of like this kind of a rendering because it gives the actual with the conjectural at the same time. So pretty big fortress and palace. And uh, you see the rooftops there with their little, the crenellations there were not really for shooting, but for uh, decoration and so forth. Uh, really more for, 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 for viewing purposes and protection and so forth. But Herod had arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison because of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip. So Herod had married his sister-in-law, but they forgot to get her divorced from her husband. So did you say oops? There we go. That's the right word. Oops. Um, and what, did, what was John's uh, opinion of this? John had been telling him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Uh, and although Herod wanted to put him to death, he feared the crowd because they regarded him as a prophet. This is when John is still, uh, uh, at the, at the, that's what got John arrested. So John began saying that when, when he was still out baptizing. And now he spoke out against Herod, and Herod doesn't like that. He has John arrested, but Herod is nervous about John. Herod likes to hear John. Even though most of what John said was condemning Herod as a sinner, he, he had a weird relationship with John. He wants to hear him, but he never repents. He gets sad about those things, but his sadness never has any, 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 any fruit. Um, it's a very, very strange relationship. He is a weird guy. Um, it just, it, the word of God does not work in him. We would say that probably his heart was hard. Um, I can't judge that, but it kind of seems like that. Um, so, but he thought that John was a prophet. And then he also thinks, oh, this Jesus, this is later on, this Jesus must be John risen from the dead because he was doing miracles. But when he was, but John never did miracles when he was baptizing. But now Herod thinks later that somehow Jesus is the risen John. It's just, it's just strange. It's just strange. John, Herod and human reason were not acquainted with one another. When it was Herod's birthday, this, by the way, is the most um, church-friendly picture of the dance of Salome that I could give you. So um, she's showing some ankle there. That's actually by, I believe, a, um, what are the, what are the uh, a, 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 a Quaker or a pilgrim artist. 
So it's from that time period, very conservative time period. So when it was Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced among them. This pleased Herod. Uh, uh, history tells us that her name was Salome. Um, there is a Salome in the Bible, one of the women uh, at the grave of Jesus. It's not the same girl, obviously. Um, but she's just called the daughter of Herod here. She had prom So he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Do you remember from Mark's gospel how much he promised her? Up to half my, well, he didn't have a kingdom. What's half of nothing? What, what's half of what I borrowed from Rome? That's just an odd thing. Although, I also wonder if there was some royal laziness going on here. Because his, his kingdom, as it were, were already, was already divided in half. So if he gave it away, he might not have to move. You know, well, you go back to Galilee and take care of them. Now you'll be their queen. And I'll stay here at my fortress uh, beyond the Dead Sea and I'll just eat grapes and have dates and eat bananas and watch Dancing Girls all day. So maybe that was on his mind too. But up to half of my kingdom was a kind of a common expression. It's, it's a way of saying anything you want. Sky's the limit, you know. Uh, you know, son, what do you want for your birthday? And I just tap the credit card on the table. You know, I always get afraid when I say that, but I'm dumb enough to say that sometimes. Um, and then my son says, very soberly, I need socks. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. You know, that's good response. Good response. Um, so he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Uh, not the usual price for a dance. As however suggestive and sexy this dance was, she what's her relationship to him? Kind of, uh, yeah, incestuously. Uh, uh, stepdaughtered, stepdaughter. Uh, uh, she's the daughter of his brother. She's his niece, stepdaughter. Um, and uh, he, there, the the sanguinary laws in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Sanguine means blood. Sanguinary laws are the blood relations you can't sleep with, can't marry. Okay, uh, your brother's wife is really high on that list, not long after your own mother. Okay, those are, those are two of the people you're not supposed to marry. Um, and, uh, and this falls into that. But this uh, dope decided to just give her whatever she wanted. And what does she do? This is no innocent little girl. So she runs to her mother, who certainly wasn't at the feast when she danced. That was a guy's only kind of a deal it's it's what you might expect from the pagans at a bachelor party um it's the kind of thing you can't describe in polite company and but prompted by her mother she runs to her mother what should i ask her what should i ask for what should i ask for what does her mother want only one thing i want john dead and i want him dead when now, now. so she says give me here on a platter the head of john the baptist and basically holds out her hands so when did, she had got him in a corner, didn't she? When does she want him dead? Now, daddy. Um, and although this saddened the king because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that it 
be done. I did not give you a, a, a slide of the famous painting by, not Donatello, who did it, where it's her, where she goes with a sword and cuts off his head. Um, there's a, 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 and in fact, I, I should think of the artist because I see, no, it's not even sawing, it's just a slice. But um, the thing is, it, it's, if you look at the guy's face, of John's face as he's being beheaded by the girl, by this artist, is it Turner? No, it's not Turner. Is it Titian? I can't think of who it's by. It's the same head as when David cuts off the head of Goliath and from the Apocrypha, Judith cuts off the head of Holofernes. It's the same scene that this artist did a couple times. I think it's the same male model for the head. I need you, hey Bob, another beheading painting. Can you come and kind of loll your head off this way? Ah, with it, you know, I like your beard or whatever it was, but it's, it seems to be the same guy's head each time. But I did not give you, I did not, I'm not going to show that to you. So he sent the order and had John beheaded in prison. His head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. The language here is similar to the resurrection miracle of Jairus's daughter. He took the girl and gave her back to her parents. Um, it's just that the, 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 the grammar is just so striking to me that it's almost, almost uh, a mirror image of that. Here is this beautiful return to life and here is this wicked, horrifying death. Um, and then we have results here now from a couple of different individuals. John's disciples came, took the body, and buried it. Then they went and reported this to Jesus. They take care of the funeral. They go tell Jesus. And wh what does Jesus do? When Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place to be alone. That's not reported in each of the Gospels, but it's here in Matthew, and it's worth just thinking about for a moment. Jesus hears about his cousin's death, and what does Jesus think of immediately? Not in the text, but you know what it is. I'm going to think about my own death. It's going to happen, same thing's going to happen to me. But he needs to be alone to pray, and so he is alone. He goes and finds out, finds a place, and he goes and he spends time alone. But they don't leave him alone. The crowds see him going. They see his boat, and he and the disciples maybe follow in a boat as well. But the crowds follow him on foot from the towns. So it you can kind of see how it would happen. Somebody in the crowd with good eyesight. I think that's Jesus out there. Did he have a, spe was it his yellow shirt? I don't know what it was, but that, that's Jesus out there. And they begin to follow, the, the healthy ones follow quickly. Then you've got some who hobble and then some who have to be carried. But they why do they want Jesus? He's the miracle worker. Where is he going? Well, if you're going that way, I'll bet he's going to, you know, you can kind of guess the village, right? And they rush around the lake to go and find him. And when Jesus got out of the boat, he saw a large crowd. They got there ahead of him. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. 
So they had brought him there. And also uh, the other gospels tell us that he um, preached to them. So in fact, uh, it's um, Mark 6.34. He preached many things to them. So he, um, he begins to, to, to heal. And when evening came, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Remember, who chose the spot? No. Jesus chose the spot and it's a deserted place on purpose. He goes to a place on his own way out in the boondocks in the middle of nowhere. Um, and the people find him. The crowds guess where he's going. They find the boat landing or wherever it is and they, they, they go up into the hills. They find Jesus. The disciples find Jesus. And the disciples come and say, it's a deserted place. The hour is late. And they know that the people need to eat. And who's going to feed them? So what's the disciples' solution? Send them away. You got to send them away. They got their, uh, things are going to be bad. What people may uh, collapse on the way home in the dark. There might be dangers. Why, you know, we, we, they got to be fed somehow and we can't feed them. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But there are no villages. There's no hot dog stand. There's no, what's the thing that's, the, the little stand that's over by uh, Broadway House in this, is it, is it a hot dog place? Is it tacos? That, that, that the, the pink truck, yeah. And there, there's not one of those nearby. It's, there's, there's no tinkling of the ice cream truck that was such a big part of my childhood. You know, that doesn't happen. But Jesus said, they don't need to go away. And then he stuns the disciples with the next sentence. You give them something to eat. Well, I don't have something to eat. And they told them, we have here only five loaves and two fish. That's not the exactly correct loaf, but it's the size of the correct loaves. Okay? Little barley loaves the size of your fist. Or these are what, dinner rolls? Or dollar buns or whatever we would call them. They might have been flatbread, kind of like a pancake, but it's not very much. And two fish for a little boy. By the way, what about that little boy? We don't have any record of the little boy saying, no, that's mine. Right? What does the little boy do? He gives it up. Jesus needs it. This boy is in the same category as the guys who caught the disciples untying the donkey and the colt on Palm Sunday. The Lord needs it. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, the woman, I think it was Mark's mother because it is Mark's mother in Acts, but the woman in the Gospels who gives up her good her good dinner room for the Last Supper. The Lord needs it. Okay, go ahead. Um, and we only have this boy's lunch, five loaves and two fish. Bring them here to me, he replied. Then he instructed the people to sit down on the grass. We could pause here too because the disciples are able to organize that crowd 
which, with such ease that that's almost a minor miracle itself, isn't it? You sit here, you sit here, you sit here. The, if the men had done any military service, and at least Simon the Zealot among the apostles had done military service of some kind, but they would understand how to group people in specific sized groups. You know, how big are they? And leave a walkway in between. You know, people have to be able to get up and, and go left or right. You have to have aisles in a, in a crowd, even just so the kids can get to the bathroom, right? Unless you want to mess in the middle of your crowd, you got to do something like that and have, have the... How many, how many groups of 50 is 5,000? 100. That's a lot of groups. Uh, like, and whether they were in 50s or 500s, no, they could have been in 10 500s or whatever it would have been in, in 300s or, or, or what have you. That's a lot of people, but it would have been easy to organize if anybody had had, had military background because that's how they did their camps and things. Uh, but they do it. And, and it's also, we're told what time of year it is in John's gospel because the grass was not just grass, but it was fresh green grass. So it's springtime. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and after looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He's not in a hurry. They're hungry. But what does Jesus say? He says, come Lord Jesus, be our guest, or whatever his table prayer was. But he blesses them, and he gives thanks to God the Father. He looks up to heaven and blesses the fish. Um, and he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. So he breaks off a piece of bread and hands it and breaks off and hands it and breaks off and hands it. And he hands out the fish from the fish and he keeps on handing out the fish from the two fish and there's more fish from the two fish and the five loaves and he breaks one maybe in half and gives a, a 20, 30, 40, 50 of those halves and, keeps, and then it's thousands and our hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and it's like things were for Adam and Eve at the creation. There's, is there food enough? How old is Adam when he needs his first bite of food? Ladies, how old is a guy, uh, how, how long after a guy gets up is he hungry? Immediately. Adam is, Adam is, is, is created by God. He doesn't even have a wife yet. And he's already hungry. And, but God provides for him. And, uh, and there's more, and there's abundance, and uh, uh, in this case, a little bit of variety, but there's all and plenty more. And then how much are there left over? The disciples gave the food to the people, and they all eat, or ate and were filled, and they picked up 12 basketfuls of what was left over from the broken pieces. There are two kinds of baskets that are commonly, three in the, in the Bible. The first are the kind the disciples would have had here. Do you remember um, 20, 25, 30 years ago, something called a fanny pack? I can't talk about that with catechism kids now. They don't know. They haven't heard of fanny packs. But a little basket you'd wear on your belt, right, with your stuff in it. 
Um, the disciples had these. They were made of leather or wicker, but they had a little pouch or basket, and that's how they carried their lunch. Um, and that's what these basketfuls were. They were the little baskets, the little pouches that the disciples had. With their, they, they would have been carrying their lunch, but their lunch was already gone, so they've got 12 full of leftovers. Is that more than they started with? Yeah, more than they started with. Now, in Matthew, we're going to have a different kind of basket in, a, in an upcoming miracle for the feeding of the 4,000. Different sized basket. But this is the smallest of the baskets just to show that there's more than we started with and everybody's full. So plenty and to spare, right? Another basket was uh, called the, the, um, the bushel or the sia. It's the size of your laundry basket. Okay, I, and I'm just going to say, I don't care what size your laundry basket is. That's a bushel in the Bible. It's really a particular one, but it doesn't matter. And then they had another basket, which was the size of my mother's clothes hamper. We had one at the top of the stairs that as kids we could hide in. Was that big? And that's the kind that the Apostle Paul escaped Damascus in. That's why that's significant. So we're, we'll, we'll come back to that one. Now, this miracle, though, uh, there's no mention of the people sharing what they had. Who shared? The boy. the boy. Only the boy shared what he had. And he had exactly this much. But there are ministers out in the world, and you maybe have relatives who have heard this miracle, and it's only been applied to the idea of sharing. What a waste. What a waste of a preaching opportunity that Jesus inspired them to share what they had and that's how they all had enough and to spare. That's not a miracle. That's good advice. This is a, and, and Jesus isn't said to have given us signs, wonders, miracles, and lots of good advice. Signs, miracles, and wonders. So, and by the way, those who ate were about 5,000 men, not even counting women and children. So how many people were there if only the grown men were 5,000? Well, 15,000 would be the minimum number, but we just got told that Jesus came from a family of at least seven kids. At least, and if that's the average then it's not 5,000, it's 40,000. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of fishy leftovers. Um, okay. Also, yes, TJ. I often wonder, how could they hear? Oh, 12. Have you ever seen the last, have you ever seen the last episode of MASH? There's a comic moment that explains your question. Um, because it was commonplace for a speaker who had followers, disciples, to use them as repeaters. So Jesus would speak, and at the far end of, 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 the, of the line of hearing, four of his disciples, would be Peter, James, John, Andrew, would be there. And then out at the far end of their repeating would be the other eight, probably two per guy and they would repeat out beyond um, and you see it in the in, in the last episode of mash 
they have to bug out. Do you remember that term from MASH? Where they have to pick up the tent because a MASH is a mobile army surgical hospital and they have to fold all the tents and gather everything up and everybody, it's a little bit like moving out with the Ark of the Covenant and they get into their tents and everything and Colonel Potter gets on his horse, Sophie? Is that her name? And they get in and he says, move out! And then a guy three jeeps down says, move out! And then that gets repeated, move out! And and then and then they do it with halt, 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 halt. And then, then, then they get Father Mulcahy to say the prayer and he goes, Oh Lord, and the guy down the road says, Oh Lord, and down the road, Oh Lord, and they do the prayer the same way. So it's it's funny when you see it in MASH, then you realize well, that's probably how Jesus did it. It's the same kind of thing. That's a wonderful question. Jesus here performs a miracle just as what Old Testament prophet had done. Do you know? Elisha had performed this miracle. So 2 Kings 4, a man from Baal Shalashah, and uh, a man came from Baal Shalashah and brought the man of God some bread from the first ripe grain, 20 loaves of barley bread, that's a fist-sized loaf, which would feed of my four sons, two or three of my sons, right? And some new grain in his sack. Why new grain? Well, what do you do with new grain to eat it? Probably roast it. Probably roast it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't grind it to make more flour. You'd roast this. Roast grain is uh, like uh, the way that my wife loved to eat roast um, at, at uh, Halloween every year. Um, the pumpkin seeds. I would gut the pumpkin and Kath would roast the pumpkin seeds and she'd have a snack. She always salt them. I don't know. I don't know how long she roasted them. I never ate them, but I just provided them. But I did the gooey part. Yeah. But uh, so, but again, how many? In my estimation, how many people would this feed? These are, by the way, this was they were building the school of the prophets, a seminary, and these are young men. One of them lost an axe head making this school and other things. And uh, what? So, how old are these guys? In their twenties, probably. And my guys in their 20s, this wouldn't even feed three of my four. So that's what we have. Elisha said, set it before the people so they can eat. And his attendants said, how can I set this before a hundred men? But he said, set it before the people so they may eat, for this is what the Lord says, they will eat and have some left over. So he set it before them and they ate and they had some left over, just as the Lord had said. So if you look in your Old Testament, it'll probably be labeled the feeding of the hundred or Elisha feeds more than a hundred or something along those lines. But it's in 2 Kings 4. A lot of Elisha miracles long about that part of the Bible and many of Elisha's miracles are repeated by Jesus but to the extent of wow. You know, this is one of the big ones though. So it, does it bother me that Jesus never makes an axe head float like Elisha did? Not really, but Jesus walks on the water and Elisha never did that. So Jesus made a prophet float or, or an apostle. So You know what? It's noon. And uh, how about if we just come to this miracle next time? 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thanks for letting me do this. God bless you all. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.